What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to episode two of Just Two Guys Talking. I'm super excited to be bringing this episode to existence. We got a beautiful topic on the table, and it's about the narrative that we have going on in our minds, the story that we tell ourselves, and how we navigate it. So listen, take it in. If it benefits you, great. If it doesn't, great. But just chew on it with your mind. There's some good stuff here. And also, I just want to name drop these people. I got some Nero gum. They don't even advertise for us. We're not a sponsor or any of that jazz. But I just really love their product. They don't even know that I'm talking about them right now. And if you have ever had any kind of gum that boosts your cognitive function, then you should definitely try Nero gum. Anyways, that's enough about that. Have a great listen. Chat with y'all soon. All right, what's up, everyone? Appreciate you for stopping in. Just two guys talking. I'm here with guy number one, and I'm guy number two. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the, you know, stories. We're going to be talking about the story that we tell ourselves, and and we're going to just pontificate on top of that. So, uh, guy number one, I feel like you you've already been doing some thinking on on some questions. So, how about you kick this off? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's all day today. I've been thinking, uh, God, I, I miss being a kid. I, I hate being a, a grown human. Um, sometimes you know, hate's a strong word, but you know, there, there's there's some definite hate feelings that that circle around it. And you know, it's funny. It's you know, it's it's the it's the cliche that when we're kids, we're like, Hey, man, I can't wait till I'm older. Things will be so lovely and you know, perfect. And you like look into the future. And you're like, I'll be able to make my own decisions. I'll be doing my own thing. Then you get there. And you look back and you go, man, you know, like things got the complexity I dealt with at that age is nowhere in comparison to the complexity I'm dealing with at this age. And, you know, it it almost makes all the grimy parts of your past look like kind of bright, you know? Right. Um, What what do you think? uh, What do you think changed? I think what changed is perspective. You know, I think I think the, the perspective and the narrative changed. I'm no longer the character from the past living through the present moment and, and hoping for the future. I'm now a new character living through a present moment with it more of a past to, to refer to, you know, and, and to compare and contrast with also looking to the future ahead. Um, still feeling like I'm thinking I cannot wait to be, you know, at this age, I'll know who I am. And, you know, like I'll be like completely you know, everything will be great. Probably more complexity or just as much, I'm assuming. And probably me looking at my past again and just kind of coloring it in a nice light. Definitely. No, I, I dig all of that. Um, so like you said, like you, you're not the same character as, as you were then, but you are a different character now. Was there, was this a gradual change or was there like a moment where you, there's a deviation in, in your like in your timeline, the story that you're telling yourself, like, is there a moment where, my goodness, dude. We'll have to bleep that out. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to bleep that out. Okay, guy number one's passed. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely gonna have to go back into the audio and be like, nope. Um, So yeah, is there a deviation? 
Yeah, I, I think it's 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 not not an either or kind of thing. At least from the experience I've had in life thus far, uh, there were, it was definitely like a gradual course of development over time. And I know there were instances that felt powerful. That that if they weren't written down in the history of my my internal uh, self history book, they at least had an emotional impact that stuck with me and, and were part of that gradual process. Moments where I was like, oh man, that's that's different. That's good. I've just realized you know something emotionally. I think on the last podcast we talked about the difference between uh, intellectually knowing something and emotionally knowing something, and the difference between those two is essentially uh, when you emotionally know it, when you've experienced it at an emotional level, it's wisdom. And, uh, you know, there have been moments where I had an aha emotional experience, but I didn't write it down intellectually. I didn't say, Hey, that was the moment, you know, that was, that was the, the time all of that changed. And that doesn't mean there haven't been, uh, experiences. As you know, I, I did some traveling, uh, and I lived in like, uh, Costa Rica briefly. And that was a huge, huge dose of, of self exploration and, and, uh, and evolution for myself. Um, but that too was gradual. It was just kind of more on a, on a sped up pace because I, uh, was having so many experiences, so many emotionally elicited, uh, uh, day to day, uh, experiences that were out of the norm for me that I was changing quite rapidly, but it was still a progression over that time. Yeah. I, I want to touch on one thing. Cause, uh, when this kind of comes to mind, it, it may be a little sidestep right now, but we, uh, you know, backward to when you were in Costa Rica and you said everything kind of felt like sped up. Um, do you kind of remember that time as also kind of feeling slower? Yes, in, in a sense, yeah. Um, because everything internally was happening so fast. Uh, there was that kind of like, you know, sense of, of temporal relativity going on. I could definitely say at times things felt slowed down. I remember feeling all sorts of emotions, bogged down, confused, wiped out. And then when you recover from those and you have some more positive emotions like come around when you feel recovered and rejuvenated and strong from, from having essentially lifted emotional weights, um, then maybe there was more speed. There's always seems to be more speed around positivity than negative emotions. Definitely. Yeah. It seems like uh, when, when you have those positive moments, it's like in a, in a drop of a dime, it it can be, it could, go and be here and then be gone. But then when it comes with the negative emotions, it, you know, uh, I, I hear this a lot. A lot of people are like, man, I've been in this funk and it seems like the funk just lasts forever. Right. Um, and I, I want to touch on that one part. It's just like the reason why I asked that question, like, did it seem like it slowed down while you were in Costa Rica is because you were taking in so much new information that your brain had to almost like elongate it to mm-hmm. analyze it, slowing kind of slowing that memory down that new process so the reason why i wanted to touch on that one little point and we can move on after this is just you know the importance of you know learning new things experiencing new things and i and i think that is just one of the most beautiful recipes for a a quote-unquote long life Mm -hmm. so i just want to touch on that very briefly um but before the narrative so tell me more about this narrative. Like when when was uh when was the first time you kind of became cognizant or when do you remember becoming cognizant that there's a narrative in your mind and you could possibly tinker tinker with it? That's a good question. Um that 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 in and of itself is a is a progression. 
is the understanding that there is a story going on in my head and that it's something I can play along with. Um, I think, I think that goes for most people. They don't realize that they're writing out the words in their head and associating words with, with what they're feeling and, and experiencing um, until after the fact, really. Um, you know, you, you can be pretty aware of yourself and say, hey, I know I'm experiencing this in the now. And like sometimes we have that aha moment. Oh, I'm going to remember this later and it's going to be such a good memory or we're going to laugh at this later. You know, like you know, kind of having yeah. a situational awareness uh, but I can't say if there was a pinpointable moment. I think it was an evolution. Um, you know, part of the interesting thing that I love about narratives is you ever watched a great movie and it starts off kind of slow. You know, there's a lot of dreariness to it. The character's kind of going through something and he kind of has to, he has to, he got to shake it up. You know, he's got to break away. He's got to go do something that he's never done before. And that's when things start to get vibrant and fast paced and fun and, and anxiety provoking. And at the same time, like, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a sensual hue to that where it's like, Oh man, all this experience, all this goodness, even in the bad, there's all this Mm -hmm. goodness, all this, all this, uh, acquired wealth in the sense. Yeah. And I think we're all kind of living through that and we don't realize that we're, we're constantly going through that old, uh, you know, if you take an English class, I'll show you that kind of like rising, rising action to the climax. And then that, that drop, we're doing that on a day to day basis. And we just don't know what part of that, that, uh, waveform we're in. Definitely. Yeah. It's like the hero's journey, except for it's on repeat. It's like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you get some new characters now and again, but they have the same themes, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I think that's like a, I think that's a very good point that you brought up how, and when you wake up, yeah, that's the rise. And then, you know, towards about middle of the day, you know, you have that climax. And then towards the end, everyone's usually checking out around five and they have, they pop open that, that beer or, you know, pick up that joint around 7 p.m., 8 p.m. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're already on the decline. They're like, well, there's really not much else I'm going to expect after this. You know, I already fought Goliath. <laughs> yeah. Tap out. Maybe I'll do it again. We'll see. And- right. You know, when you put it like that, you know, Goliath, that's a, that's a great one. You know, David and Goliath's a great narrative. And uh, the idea that we're even having that as a narrative saying that I'm going to have to face Goliath, which is a scary task, you know, uh, you know, in that story, none, nobody wanted to face Goliath. It just took this like little shepherd showing up one day to be like, Hey man, I'll do that. Like my brothers won't do it. My dad won't do it. Nobody will do it. I'll do it. And like winning the day just because it is cunning. But that's really what it comes down to. That is a hero's journey narrative right there is that you have to be willing to get up the next day and to face the thing that could take you down on that very day. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. The thing that can take you down on that very day. And I think, uh, this, that's like a perfect pivot right here is like the narrative, the narrative, the story that's in your mind and everyone's mind at any moment can just take a turn and it can take you down. It can take Absolutely. you down five pegs. You know, it can take you down all the way to a level of despair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're interacting with possibly, you know, this here's one scenario. You're interacting with a friend, and they they say this uh, this off-brand color, you know, comment where you're you're just like, it was totally out of left field. You weren't prepared for it, and it, it throws this new narrative line. It's almost like a timeline just branched off, and and now this narrative is is like bringing your frequency down and now and now you're in this like funk and you're not you're you're not enjoying this anymore so Mm -hmm. when the narrative takes a turn for the worse 
what are some things that that you have uh, utilized to either change, adapt, or overcome the that narrative? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt you heading there. Like, what have what have I done? And for me, uh, you want to the best thing, the uh, the the I'll call it the penultimate thing because like there is no best thing, but the Definitely. penultimate thing would be essentially saying. Uh, is essentially diffusing in the moment and trying to recognize if, if you felt something, if you got kind of like this twinge of uncomfortable uh, emotional discharge in your body and you're like, ooh, like I didn't like that. What's a, you want to come at somebody with compassion and say, what made them possibly say that and say, and, and explore that a little bit. And I'd like to formulate a nice little like uh, example of how to do that. And I know I had one as I was talking, but it started to fade into the background, into the chatter. But essentially going, you know, if somebody says something to you um, and you feel as emotionally charged, I, I would inquire as to their emotional state, A. That's definitely a good move. Like how are, you know, what, yeah, what tune in with them, check tune in. It, tune in, like, you know, like you are both two different conscious beings experiencing reality on different, you know, from different perspectives and different vantage points. Uh, if anyone's curious about how that works, look up theory of mind. They, they used to think it only, you know, was a developed process in kids. Now we know it's a lifelong process. You always have to learn about someone else's perspective. Yes. Deeper, not, not more shallow, deeper throughout your lifetime. Uh, so that's a that. big one is checking in, as you said. I mean, what have, what have you tried? What, what do you think? Like, you know, I saw a flicker of like something in your eyes. Like, did something come to mind? Totally. Yeah. Uh, you were, you were already touching on it. You were heading that, uh, heading that direction for me. And that is, uh, when, when you have this, uh, oh, hold up my bad. Let me, uh, we're going to have to pause this here for a second. I'm going to go grab a power cord so I can keep this internet going. So we're going to have to join this combo, dude. I apologize. No problem, man. One second. Guy number two doesn't know that I'm uh, talking right now, but in the future, I'm going to, I'm going to say something akin to uh, power cord uh, silence and recording on like kind of like saying uh, keys, wallet phone to somebody else well uh we'll, we'll see if that works i'm just giving him shit so when he edits this later he can hear this all right now we're cooking with onions yeah yeah you were saying though yeah so as i was saying yeah you were headed in the direction that i that I was kind of hoping you would go all the way, but we, we spoke about this last night, prime example. And I think this is uh, this is one of my favorite tools. I think it's a hard tool uh, to kind of like understand in the beginning because in a way you're kind of duping yourself, but I call it sidestepping. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you know, you want to create that distance. Like, you know, say you have in that conversation with your friend, they say that, you know, that thing that just upsets you. Well, in that one moment, you know, just like we said before, check in, check in with where they're at, you know, it's acknowledged. They take account of if you're in front of them, you have the amazing resource of body language. Uh, How is that making you feel? You can see, you know, the expression on their face. You, so we're checking in with that. And we're also checking in with their tone. Right. We're checking in with any kind of um, 
you know, extracurricular activities they may be doing with their hands if they're fidgeting and all this other stuff. So check in, big one. The second thing I would want to do is, all right, well, I know where they're at and their intention, we, you know, we can play two ways. Uh, the one, the intention was okay. It was good. It was, it was, it was purposeful. And then the other intention could be, it was, it was wrong. You know, it was bad in that one moment and they had malintent to, to definitely uh, try and uh, take control of uh, your narrative, my narrative. And right. so essentially what you want to do is create that distance from that feeling. All right. I feel bad, man. I, I don't like the way they made me feel. So you know what? I know me. I, I know how I am and I know how I feel right now. I feel good. So you know what? I'm going to, you know, like as we, we, you and I talk, I'm going to breathe in, I'm going to breathe in that golden aura around me into my lungs. I'm going to, you know, shield myself and I'm just going to, you know, sidestep that feeling. I'm going to keep moving forward. And right. I think that to me is, it's a, it's a unique tool. I think everyone can utilize it, but it takes, it takes skill to, to bring it in to existence right then and there, alchemize it, put it into use and, and then move forward. Um, I think you and I talked about that there's some other possible names for this. Uh, for me, I don't know what to call it exactly, except for the fact that you are creating uh, your own energy and you're moving forward. So essentially you're controlling the narrative. You, you are not allowing the negative frequency that is coming in to change the way you're feeling, even mm -hmm. though you felt it. I also want to highlight that I, I don't believe, um, and this is my personal belief, and I think it's a, it's a belief that many people believe as well, is that you are not your thoughts and you are not your emotions. You, mm -hmm. you only experience them. And if you can have some control over that experience, then I think that is like the ultimate being. Right. And, and to, to hop on to, you know, uh, you know, what's writing the narrative, them or you or what, uh, you know, imagine if you will, uh, you know, a legal proceeding where somebody's dictating the session, dictating the conversation and you're, you're over to the side, you're having the conversation. They're over there writing it down as it occurred. The difference in the mind though, is that the, the degree to which that person, it, depending on how that person's day is, is dictating it, it changes the way it's written in tone in a lot of ways. They might add some punctuation somewhere that like it didn't even make sense, or they might, you know, you know, they might underline or bold something that like didn't make sense. And so, you know, when you're just allowing this automatic processing to go on, and, you know, I talked about last time how sometimes I'll go off and I didn't realize it hurt me in the moment. And like, you know, later on, I found out it hurt because I'm like going over the notes. I'm going over what was dictated, you know, and I'm like, wait, that's like underlined and bolded like that. Is that right? Is that, is that actually how it went down? Do they actually have that tone or am I just right. like perceiving the tone from what I'm reading out of out of this script at the end of the day? And I think what we want to do is we want to hijack that process. And you, you want to sit, you want to go over to them and, and kind of be like, you know, <laughs> kind of like a lawyer strike that from the record. They, they didn't mean that. Like, you know, like, you know, you Definitely. kind of want to like be your own personal advocate, uh, both for yourself, for the internal uh, dialogue between the characters you, you're, you're taking in the other person. They are not them in your head. They are them to the extent that you can recreate them in your head. Definitely. Right? Yeah. You're but telling the, your, you're telling yourself a story about them. Right. You want to get in there and edit. 
no book comes out unedited. I hate editing. I write all the time. I hate editing, but God, is it important because like I'll write something. I know what I meant. I know exactly what I meant. But if the reader comes up to look at that, like, where'd you get that from? What are you doing? Like right. that, that makes no sense. This, this part's like too wordy. This part's a run on this part just makes me like kind of bored to tears. It's like, okay, I got to edit that thing. Same thing within the internal dialogue. There's other emotions coming up for you as you read it at the end of the day. And you do that, that, you know, um, at, you know, after the fact, look back and you're just kind of like, well, you know, they were having a bad day. And, and I don't mean to say this is rationalizing. Uh, you know, I don't want to infer that you should rationalize away somebody's bad behavior or right. unhe- we'll say unhelpful behavior because you just want to, you know, the second thing that came to mind from earlier uh, that I kind of lost was, um, yeah, you want to check in with them. You also want to know what their intention is for the conversation. And that's not, if you ask them, hey, what's our intention for this conversation? And they say, well, we're talking about this. And I'm like, okay, well, it feels a little hostile and doesn't feel like a conversation. Can we like take it down a peg because uh, it doesn't feel like a conversation to me? If they respond back to you and they're defensive and they're like, this is a conversation, they start yelling, walk away. Like, it's okay to walk away. Like, there's no losers in walking away unless you like are feeling really ego, you know, ego inflated in that moment. You can just walk away. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Take the hit to the ego and just walk away. Save your energy. Save your your energy. Use the energy you would have yelling back at them to restore yourself because not worth it. Just not worth it. No, not at all. And uh, I mean, you, you bring up a very good point when we're talking about narratives from other people. And this really kind of just jumps back, not so much about the narrative, but about communication in general. I, I think like when, because uh, you mentioned intention, um, when you have a, a good intention to always have a conversation, not a debate, not an argument. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can have a conversation and debate topics. But when someone says, no, this is a debate, they're, all, they're just saying in a politically correct way, I want to argue with you yeah. about my point. I want to tell you why you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. And I rather just have a conversation and, and I've gotten to the point where I've gotten really good at, you know, shutting down a conversation if if I feel like it's going the other way. And, you know, some, some people will say, and and I I will say that is a form of control because Mm -hmm. I'm controlling what energy is coming in and, and why it's coming in. Uh, If someone's hot off the press, you know, give them some space, let them come Mm -hmm. down. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that is a, like a wonderful tactic, you know, and I, I keep, I think we keep, we're always hitting that note conversation, conversation, let's converse like the moment either, even when you and I talk on the phone and we both get heated, we're just like, all right, we're going to drop that topic. We're getting too hot. Like that's ridiculous. If if we can't get back to something constructive, it's time to move on. Definitely. You know, uh, Jordan Peterson, and sorry for anyone listening who uh, has a contention with Jordan Peterson, but I, I, I like the guy. And he uh, talks about meta, meta narratives a lot, the, mm-hmm. where, where narratives meet within their own structure. He uses the Bible for that a lot. But I, I think of it as meta narratives between people where you and I are like, you know, kind of colliding. There, there is that, that person versus person kind of theme going on. And not that we're necessarily contra or against each other but in that we we're definitely gonna have to come together and compare and contrast how we're experiencing the events at that point in time because if we don't do that i don't know your language i don't know your experience i don't know what to expect and i won't know how to react when things do get heated if they do oh yeah i like what you just brought up um 
because essentially what that is, that's like a, a, a higher form, a more, you know, I'm not going to say complicated because complicated kind of entails that it's hard. Right. Yeah, I think it's rather easy. It's just layered. Uh, it's a more nuanced way. Yeah. It's more meta to, to come into a conversation and be like, okay, I'm going to check in, but I'm also going to check in with the words you're saying, because when you say this word, I, I'm visualizing this, I, I'm thinking this, what do you mean when you say, say this word? And then mm -hmm. if you're able to come on to in that moment, have that agreement come into the middle, middle each way, then you can progress the conversation forward. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people are going to be start inferring what my background is, the more psychology I bring up, but I really like Carl Rogers and, uh, he's a, he's a humanistic existential psychologist and he's, he's well known for, for a lot of the, the, uh, the, the guiding uh, principles by which he thinks people should converse, especially in a therapeutic setting. And part of a therapeutic setting is, is gaining what's called a therapeutic alliance. And, uh, in that alliance, what you want to do, according to Rogers is you want to kind of come in expecting that the other person knows something that you don't. So if you come in with your ego all inflated saying, I know, and you don't, and when you talk, I'm already preparing to respond. You've already lost the game of conversation and you've moved into the game of maybe, uh, either debate or, or, uh, some, some sort of, uh, professing or pontificating which is not fun to be under. I have many times in my life I'm doing it right now, pontificated to someone. Although I do think we're having a conversation. Oh, yeah, this is a conversation here. We're yeah. drawing this one out. Yeah. We're, dra we're drawing it out. But like, I've definitely had it uh, where I've talking to, you know, I've been talking to someone that I, I, you know, feel close with and maybe I've conditioned myself to really rattle off my thoughts and they're, they're very accepting to that. And at some point, like, you know, what I, what I learn when I do that is that when they start doing that back to me, I don't have the bandwidth to, to respond in kind to them because I'm conditioning myself to constantly be running my narrative and never mm -hmm. evaluate their narrative, never evaluate the way they see things. And when they start talking and I've just been talking and talking, I've just been ego inflating. I've just been like a monster mm, ah, yeah, yeah. Like taking it all, taking all the air. And when they start talking, I find that I like keep drifting back to my narrative, keep, keep drifting back. And that's just too much ego identification really um, and it takes, I think we all do this. We all, what people love talking about themselves, right? Oh yeah. You it's, want it's, someone to love you. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite things is it's, it's my, it's my number one tactic. When I don't know anyone, I just start asking questions about the other person and they love it. They, they think I'm so fucking great and wonderful. And Oh, I'm a great listener. It's like, mm -hmm. now nah, I just asked a bunch of questions about you and they never return them, but I really don't care. Yeah, no, you're great at that. You're much better at it than me. It's a practice for me because it's a weak point for me. I love extrapolating ideas and breaking them down. But I want to be better at listening to other people's ideas as well. That's the, you know, that's the harder part. That's the, that's a skillful part. Definitely. And, and I like how you, uh, you, you are able to recognize that in yourself because that's the first step in, in becoming a better listener is like, Oh, you know what? I have been tuning into my own narrative a lot in this conversation. Let me take a breath and hear them out because there's probably something like you said in the beginning of this, there's probably something they're saying that I don't know and I don't understand, or I'm not utilizing the information the way they intended it to be utilized. Mm-hmm. Because so, just, yeah. as, just as you are a textbook of information, they're a textbook of information. 
Definitely. Yeah, we may not like all the filler words, but there's golden nuggets in there. There's like, golden nuggets in there. Yeah, that's what I convinced myself is like, uh, you know, I like how David Goggins says it. He's like, never judge a scowl or a smile because this person who smiles could be the meanest person you ever met. And a person who scowls could be the sweetest person you've ever met. I know. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, I just love, I love that. You know, it kind of reminds yeah. me. It's like, cause like sometimes I come in with that narrative, like, oh man, this person seems really mad already. Like what's going yeah. on? Oh no. <laughs> turns, it turns out they were, they were just bashes their face. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. Cause like resting bitch face became a thing during our lifetime. Yeah. And like that was not a thing when I was a kid. Just wasn't a thing. We didn't say retching, resting bitch face. Like it's not even a nice, it's just not a nice term. No. But it's like, you know, there is something to that. We see um, danger when we don't know what someone's face is. I remember the old, uh, the old experiments where they'd have a baby look at their mother and the mother would stop having an expression for about 30 seconds. And that baby started to like reject the mother. Like, yeah. Hostile. You can do that with adults too. You can just stare at them with no expression and say nothing. And eventually they'll get hostile and like uncomfortable. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. We're wired that way. I'm not sure why we're wired that way, but we are wired that way. I think it's that. I think, it, you know, I kind of think back to it as a, as a primal instinct. You know, if you're in the jungle, if you're in, in the woods and you see, you lock eyes and those eyes are expressionless and they're staring you down. Oh man, you best bet the fight, flight or freeze, uh, you know, nervous system is about to kick in full force. So, right. you know, like, what is this person doing? You got, you got no language to go off of. So like, you're just kind of taking all this information and, and your body, yeah. So if you stare at someone for long enough for no expression, like not even a raised eyebrow, yeah, you're kind of telling that person and on their primal and you're, you're triggering their limbic system. And, right. it, and it's just like, oh, I'm about to fight this person. <laughs> right, right. It's like, you know, parasympathetic nervous system is wired and like things are just going off, man. Um, it's, it's too funny. It's, uh, it's interesting what jumped in my head while you were talking um, was, you know, we're judging a book by the, by its cover. And the, the old adage is don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And that's quite literal. When you go and buy a book, you really don't want to judge a book by its cover. Because I'm, doing got, it. <laughs> I'm doing it too, man. That's why, that's why a marketing team exists, right? They get yeah. the right cover, but I picked up books that were just dog shit. And I really wish I hadn't cracked open the pages cause it just wasn't for me. Definitely. Same to be said for people. I'm sure. But like, I shouldn't infer that because sometimes you get a leather bound, beautiful black book and you're like, I don't know what this is about. It's got a mystifying title though. I'm going in. Right. You just crack it open. It's like, oh my God, is this a tome from the dawn of time? It's telling <laughs> me like what I need to know. And that could be a person too, for all you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I will say though, like when a, like that's, that's a very surface level thing. It's, it's typically when I'm not engaging with the world, like if yeah. I'm at, if I find myself at Barnes and Noble and I'm killing time and like i just need to waste it because like i got something else i'm in between things i will literally go down each aisle and just look at the book covers and if it doesn't strike me as interesting where the title doesn't jump out then i'm really um not gonna pick up that book and i feel that i do the same thing with people it's like yeah. if, I, if i don't get that invitation you know if i don't see the body language kind of perk up when they see me or if i don't see something of interest in their conversation there's uh, there's a lot less that uh, I'm going to act upon in order mm -hmm. to figure out if it was worth uh, the conversation. And I think this I think that for me kind of goes back into the question: 
am I going to spend my energy on every single person I come in contact with and trying to right. find that golden piece or am I going to strategically use it? And I think, um, because like that, you know, that verbiage or the adage, never judge a book by its cover. We all say it, we all do it, but I'm still going to do it. Even though I know that I'm just going right. to, I'm just going to question whether or not if I'm judging too much and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not allowing myself to uh, fully exist as I should exist. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You know, the things we do in our day to day are analogous to the way our, our mind processes things. We don't set up things, uh, you know, instead of getting into that, I'll just say like this Barnes and Noble example is perfect. You, when you go on Barnes and Noble and you're looking for a book to read, you, you, break it down by section, you break it down by the material, what, it, what you think the content's going to be about, then you break it down by uh, small things, the writer's name. There, you know, uh, you, you, may, you may have more of a bias towards getting a name that it sounds familiar to you, or maybe you want something novel, so you choose a foreign sounding name, something that's like not something you hear on average, you know, whatever that is to you. It's, I'm sure it's con- uh, uh, culturally specific, but we do that. And it's the same when we're kind of making distinctions around what people we're going to give our energy to. You know, people talk about biases a lot when it comes to people. Uh, we're writing the story for people before we even know them. We have prototypes, you know, set up. Definitely. And, oh, go for go, it. Go no, for go, it. go, go for it. Oh, man, I wanted to st- uh, jump in on this one. Yeah, um, please. Mainly just because, uh, so, you know, this, this, this is our second episode. And a, a few of our, you know, peripherals, kind of know who, who we are mm-hmm. beyond guy one, guy two. And one of the pieces of feedback was, is that, oh man, you should really talk about how guy one and guy two are educated in these specific fields. Yeah, and, 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 they, and they tell me this and they're just like, yo, you, you, should, you should at least tell the audience, the listeners that, you know, there's pieces of paper that we could wave. And I was like, no. Because they're already trying to build a story mm-hmm. on, on each of us, on why they should listen and why they should hear us out. I think that the only thing that we have to offer in, this, in, in the way we have designed this is just conversation, just listen, just engage with the listening mind and take in the information and utilize it. If it's useful, cool. If it's not, cool. But don't get so caught up in the story of whatever your brain is trying to tell you. Like, fuck that story is like kind of how I live my daily life is like, I try to check in with my own story. Like, right. Um, and I think, you know, we, what we've been talking about right now is a lot of, uh, you know, outer stuff, you know, things that how we interact with other people, how this narrative, how a story can affect you and how we go about our life. I think uh, one of the things I want to talk about or kind of segue to is the internal. All right, let's say you're cognizant of the story that's being played in your head. Mm, you're, you, mm-hmm. you are aware that more times than not, you're listening. Right. You're listening to this voice, this thing, this chatterbox going off in your head saying, you know, sometimes, you know, we've all been here. We've been laying in bed. And then that voice is just like, man, 
you remember what so-and-so said to you in the fourth grade? I wonder what they're doing. And then you start going down this weird storyline and you're just <laughs> listening. You're just listening. And then it comes back with this witty comeback. And he's just like, yeah, when they knocked my milk on the ground, I should have said, you know, said this. And then, and then you're just like, oh, heat it up. Like yeah. the voice, the story, it got you, it played mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, okay. So like what, so how, how, okay. To jump back into just the beginning of this, you're cognizant of that story. Let's let's start tweaking that story. All right. Yeah. So, okay, it told you a story. How is the voice talking to you? That's my question. Yeah. How's yeah, the yeah. voice talking to you? Like, how can you change the words that that voice is using? So, you you know this uh, pretty well. Like, uh, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, psychology and we're getting a baseline on people. Uh, are you going to be utilizing um, words such as uh, good, bad, normal? Like, t- tell me about those words and, and how they how they interact in mind. No, no, I think I think um, for the most part, in any in any helping profession, you want to mitigate for those words as much as possible. They have emotional charges. They have moral charges. Um, morality is not such an easy thing to quantify or, or qualify rather uh, because it is context specific it's culturally specific it's specifics to one one's kin group to one's uh, understanding based upon how they grow up in the world um, not that there aren't basic moral precepts that we all try and govern ourselves by there are uh, but there, there's a, f- a far probably larger set of personal what you would call idiosyncratic moralities that we try and, and govern our world by so using words like bad and good really do damage to the individual uh, when they go through a narrative. Um, in my own experience, was talk for myself, using those words based on that, that made me feel bad. You know, that experience was a bad experience, bad people, the people, the characters were not right. The the story, you know, structure wasn't good. It was just asymmetrical. I, I hated it, like very mm-hmm. charged words. They're all charged words. And they're, they're, they're what, what unfortunately, at least in our country, uh, you might regard as automatic intrusive thought processes. We, we've learned to think of the world this way. What I prefer to do, and I think what you prefer to do is to say, uh, is this help? Was that a helpful experience? Was it an unhelpful experience? What's beautiful about that is even if you didn't care for the emotions you experienced uh, in the narrative that you have drawn up, you can always make something helpful and yeah. you can always make something unhelpful. So the feeling I had was unhelpful in that it didn't make me feel good about myself, but it taught me something. What did I learn? And it's kind of like that end of the the kids show where it's like, well, I learned a lesson today, guys. It's like, well, good. You should have, right? right. <laughs> you know? So I think that's a, a big part of it is, is removing those good and uh, good and bad words from there are, there are definitely objectively bad things. There are objectively good things. Uh, you can say that they're chaotic. You can say that they're balancing. Um, and I'm not, and, and I, actually I thought about this before our podcast. I'm not suggesting doing that as a replacement strategy. It's not because there's associations forged with those words. I don't want you to say, okay, I'm just going to say it's not helpful for something that's bad. You're still saying it's bad emotionally. I want, I want there to be a, a, a concept change there in the script where you're saying, um, okay, this is not helpful, meaning, mm-hmm. meaning it doesn't further me to things that I, that I desire. Yeah. 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 You're changing your relationship with, uh, that, you know, that word bad. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I really, I really, really enjoy that. And uh, I also threw in there uh, normal. Normal, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, go, a, go ahead. A word that I utilize instead of saying normal because truly what is normal? Normal is, is incredibly subjective. It, it, it puts <laughs> so many people under this weird pressure to exist in this, in this very interesting state of being, which is mm-hmm. always in flux with everyone else's, uh, you know, definition. So mm-hmm. instead of utilizing the word normal, I've, I literally don't use it. Mm-hmm. I use typical. I, I like yeah. that. Like typically this happens because if I were to be like, normally this happens, then it's just like, it's, I feel like it's, it's a harder line to walk than Mm -hmm. typical. Like typically, you know, Johnny shows up every day at five, typically. Now, if it's like, if if you say normally Johnny shows up at five every day, okay, today's now an unnormal day. Like, oh no, it's, we're in the unknown. It's like, no, typically is, so I'm going to go check in. It's like, it, 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 you're able to mitigate those emotions and just think about it objectively and move forward. Right. Right. And you know, I think the biggest movement I've seen in my life and not to jump back to the, to the last cast, but, um, we're talking about words and like, um, as, as we, we try, you know, I think, I think it's more so on the left, although I don't want to, I don't want to generalize it there politically, but I mean, people who align, uh, to the left tend to be higher on, uh, a trait openness. When you look at like, you, I could cite Jordan Peterson's big five model. He has a big 10 model. And uh, that's, that's the acronym ocean, which is openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, um, agreeableness, and neuroticism. You can throw that out the window. You don't really need to know it, but openness is a really cool one. And part of openness is, uh, you know, being open to experience is what he, he and his uh, lab suggest and being open. So that's, that's really important. Mm-hmm. You can be open and fluid. You can also become too open and fluid in, in that um, you're trying very hard. Like maybe, maybe you're feeling you're very cooperative. You really want to help people. You want to nurture them. And, and at the same time, you're very open is the way that he would explain it, I believe. Yeah. And so you, you try really hard to change the language. You try to change the words so that everyone feels comfortable. Right now, people say typical, neurotypical, neuroatypical, like you know, they try and say typical, I could see that changing again in a few years. To totally. whatever, you know, it's, it's maybe not even a few years, give it a few months, who knows what conversation will come up. And I think we're always seeking to, if, if, if nothing else, uh, to not cause harm, some sort of neutral totally. in our language. Yeah. 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 I, I like, how, I like how you just brought that up because you, you brought up the, the dynamic, how dynamic being open can be because you could be so open that essentially what you're doing is de-selfing. You're mm-hmm. giving away everything in, in, inside of you in order to appease and make comfortable the environment for everyone else but yourself. Right. And that's not the move. We see like there, there, there's a, I see, I like to say, here's another thing, another example of words like, oh, there's a fine balance. You know, that to me implies stillness. You know, yeah. I want to have balance on the inside, but I want to be in harmony with mm-hmm. everything else on the outside. I want to mm-hmm. be in constant flux, constant movement. I want to be open and fluid, but I want to know where I stand um, on the internal. I want to sure. I want to be balanced. I want to be still because then I think I'm able to to uh, adequately check. Am I de-selfing? Am I 
changing my language only to appease the other party, even though I don't believe in that word. Um, right. I think there should be a conversation about what words can be utilized that you can meet in the middle without de-selfing. Sure. And uh, something something that occurred to me, quite I'm quite agreeable, and, and, and agreeable being that I want to cooperate. I want this to be fluid. I want us to keep moving. Let's be dynamic. Let's keep the flow going. But the downside with being that high on, on that dimension uh, or just, just in that desire, let's just say, mm-hmm. to constantly keep the, everything flowing is that I will give into to uh, the socialized plasticity of my mind as in I'll keep nodding. Oh yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, totally, yeah, that's great. And because my desires to keep things going fluidly, later on when I look back on the way things were written down, I'm like, ooh, I actually don't like the way that played out. I didn't fully agree with that. That was not aligned with my sense of self. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. I, I do the same thing. Sometimes I, I'm just doing it because I know that I'm one, I may not be dealing with this person probably ever again. So I'm going right. to move the conversation along, get out of the conversation and then understand that what I just did was a form of de-selfing, but I'm not going to let it change who I am. Right. Um, but when it happens with someone who you are going to have to have a consistent relationship with, then it is worth that time and energy to invest in, in like a conversation where there is an alignment of definitions. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, as, as, as you know, and I know that's work. That is work. (laughs) That takes fucking work. It's not easy. No one wants to do it. It's heavy lifting. It's cognitive heavy lifting. Right. Most people aren't built for it. Uh, for me, I've, I love it. And it, and I have like almost an in what seems to be an endless amount of energy in that topic, in that area, because I'm constantly doing it in myself. So I have mm-hmm. this big gas tank. And one of the things I've learned is that like 10 to 15 minute conversation really does me good. If I go past the 15 minute mark, it's because I am failing in communication with this other person and I need to take a step back. If you're trying to convey something. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm con- trying to convey something or if I'm trying to align my definitions, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, because then I'm just taking from them, I'm taking their energy. And in reality, you could really find that you should be able to find a solution within 10 to 15 minutes. If there is, if there is no solution, then something's wrong. There's a misalignment on definitions. There's something going on internally. There's something going on in, in them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's rigidness essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe maybe originous on your part as well. I mean, exactly. we're, we're all we are we're all this dynamic fluid uh, experience, a fluid experience of rigidity, um, because we have our, our crevices of ourselves that we don't want to go to and we don't want to experience. And you're just making me think. I was like, maybe this is why there are book clubs. Maybe this is like what the I've never gone to a book club. Disclaimer: will not probably ever go. <laughs> but you know, I'm not saying I'm totally rigid in that. I'm just like you know, more of an audiobook guy myself. Feel that, yeah. If we talked out audiobooks, that'd be fine with me. And you know, part of what probably makes that process pr- pretty cool for people is that they do get to sit down and discuss how they perceive the the narrative uh, to themselves and like, you know, cross reference with each other yeah. and doing so with the intention. And this is really important, I think, with the intention of getting a clear, comprehensive picture of all the perspectives within the narrative that uh, as it could have been, uh, as it could have been perceived. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's super important. I like how you jump back to that topic, perception. Perception is, is like, to me, it's so beautiful. It's so subjective. It's, it's the reason why we have artisans. It's because they're showing us their perspective. 
And, you know, you use the, uh, I, th I think you said this earlier in the conversation about how, um, you know, we're just looking from two different perspectives. And I think, I think, I don't know if you said it, but I know it was in my head. Yeah. Um, this, I, I use this phrase, um, because sometimes I need a little perspective and I need to inspire the other person to share their perspective because sometimes a lot of people think, Oh, you should just know, you should just know what I'm talking about. And what they're saying is, I don't know how to explain my perspective, but you should know. And no, you shouldn't, you should, yeah, you should be yeah. able to discuss it. And then the, this is what I say is, uh, when, when you're on a mountain, you're able to see other mountains too. Yeah, so from that yeah. perspective, you can also look down and see a valley and from one mountain, it's gorgeous. But maybe from the other mountain, you see a different angle that the other person can't see, but it still exists and it's still there. So now we need to have this conversation about, hey, what do you see on your peak? I see this on mine. And right. my other favorite little story is, is like, you know, I like, I like saying this is like real recognize real. It's like, yeah, mountains recognize other mountains and they too know they are mountains. Like if you mm -hmm. see someone else on, uh, if you recognize someone else and you say, oh, real recognizes real, what you're just saying is that you see another mountain yeah, and you see someone who recognizes the valley. Right, right. So, or you at least identify with them in some way. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really kind of an important thing. There's this idea uh, that truth is subjective and to an extent it is. Truth is an ideal. It's like yeah. it's not said enough. Like truth. What is truth? Uh, it, it is totally the ideal. It is a, it's a beatific vision at best. It's really, it's not attainable, but uh, in order to obtain a semblance of it, you do have to compare and contrast with one another because you're now creating a joint reality. I don't mean to get too far into perception, but that's really important in writing up uh, a proper, a proper narrative. Yeah. It's, I guess the question becomes, and this gets very English majory. Uh, but like, you know, I've been learning about, uh, I'm not saying I'm an English major, but I've been learning about narratives and what kind of narrative strategies people, uh, uh, tend to evoke in personal storytelling and yeah. in their own, in their own personal narrative. There's even like a type of therapy that I'm not privy to called uh, narrative therapy. That's worth looking into. Uh, but, um, you sh it's worth asking yourself, what kind of narrative strategy do I engage in when I am listening and what kind of narrative strategy do I engage in when I'm speaking? And as I've been learning more and more, I'd love to bring it up on another podcast as, I've, as I learn more and as I digest more of what this can mean at an inter interpersonal and an intrapsychic level yeah. is, uh, you know, what kind, you know, how, how do you, how might we figure that out and how might we figure out uh, what kind of writers we are? And I, oh, I mean you know, that we're uh, all writers. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, little question right there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we are all writers writing the story in our mind or you're allowing your mind to write it for you right. which isn't fun no. and typically those people uh, I see are stricken with stress and mm -hmm. they 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 have no time they're always busy sure just letting this narrative control them you know I heard once that uh, most writers who have addictions or depression are afraid to fix those afflictions because they're afraid it'll impact the way that they write their narratives yep and 
I think people have that too in their own lives. They're, they're afraid to fix the, the afflictions that go on within themselves, things that are not helpful to what they truly want, their true self wants, because they've gotten so used to the status quo, it's a devil you know scenario. They know what they, they know the hell they know. They don't want to maybe step into another ring in Dante's Inferno. I'm throwing out way too many little things. Right. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. I think none of us really want to go into our book and again, edit. Um, yeah. And to edit, you have to look at it with fresh eyes. When I edit an essay, I, if I'm going to edit it, I have to have not seen it for a couple months because yep. I'm way too involved with it. I'm, I'm just so involved with, with the way I felt. And if people, if I show it to someone too soon and they give me like their thoughts, it's criticism. It's not a critique. It's criticism. I have to give yeah. it time, like six months, maybe not even six months, maybe a month down the road, I show it to someone and say, you know, I thought about this, this, and this. Like, I didn't see it that way at that time, but I'm in a different emotional state. I'm much more amenable and open to, to suggestion. I'll, I'll go in there and, and go in with your, you know, your uh, lens that you just put on my glasses, you know, like it's kind of nice. Definitely. So yeah, I like, I like that. I like we, how you ended that, you know, going with your lens that you just put on my, on, on my glasses. Sure. Uh, so let's, let's tie that one up. Like perspective, perspective is the lens that you view, that you view life through and mm-hmm. you are even viewing it on yourself how you view yourself is also a lens and like, so, okay, we have this idea, you know, we're, we're cooking up this little recipe right here. It's like, okay, we, we've talked about perspective is the lens that you view the story through. We've talked about words such as, you know, good and bad, you know, we don't really want too many binary uh, descriptors. Uh, we just want something that can uh, be a little bit more objective that doesn't trigger the emotions as much my emotional response. So, uh, I think to, to progress this further, because like essentially what I, my goal is here, my intention is to, uh, hopefully give the, the listener some kind of recipe that they're able to utilize in themselves in order to start taking control of that narrative, mm-hmm. start owning their narrative. And then, um, and you know, further on, I also want to touch on how do you rewrite it? Yeah. If you can write, rewrite it, right. Can you rewrite personal history? Can you rewrite history? Um, I think you, you know, can, I think it's so doable. It's, it's totally possible. It's all about how you process what, what occurred. And I think it goes back to, um, Oh boy, I lost my thought. It kind of goes back to, you know, uh, a lot of stuff we've talked about, but it, it kind of comes into with, the narrative, can you, you know, was you asked me earlier at the beginning of the, of the cast, you know, you said, uh, which by the way, I'm calling this a communication cast now to people, people who are in the know, but it's, uh, you know, you're asking me about Costa Rica. Was it a step-by-step process or did it happen all at once? You can't change your, the way you process narratives all at once. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's automatic, as we said, to an extent. And so when we give you a recipe, just like in a recipe, add the dry materials first, then the wet materials, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step if we start step. breaking down a recipe, we got to talk about maybe you want to start with, uh, you know, what kind of language are you using? Do you want to do you want to remove moral emphasis from your words and just do that as a, a personal project for a little bit? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, li- I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for those, for everyone who's listening right now, who's gotten to this point, you know, we, we've talked about the perspective as the lens that you're viewing your own narrative through. All right. So you, you, you're privy to the perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's start with base level one. How do you talk to yourself already? Are, are you more negative inclined or more positive inclined? 
And I, I think that, uh, this is my personal opinion, I think our, na- our minds are way more susceptible to be more negatively wired mm-hmm. because it's, it's a protective future. It's a survival mechanism. Threat detection. But, yeah, For that's sure. it. And so you, you know, if you're aware that your mind is going to be just a little bit more negative than probably your soul. So um, start going to town. Start doing triage on every single word maybe even chill out meditate sit down reflect and then listen back to the story that you tell yourself it's like Mm -hmm. oh man i was really angry like all right we could go one or two ways am i saying i am angry or am i feeling angry so instead of so there's a part right there uh i feel like i'm kind of jumping around but the main emphasis that i want to point out is be more positive be gentle with yourself, be more kind to yourself and be more lenient into giving uh, other people the benefit of the doubt. That is a foundational thing when communicating with anyone, with yourself and how to start switching that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and to, to hop in there, because uh, something that occurred to me, I just because I know what you mean when you say meditate, I want to make it uh, clear that I think you're talking about kind of more of uh, something more along the lines of a Marcus Aurelius type meditation as opposed to the, the Buddhist, you know, sitting in, and trying to silence the or, or silence a, a disquieted mind. Like, it's okay to sit there and think. I think yeah. a lot of people, with, I, I try and meditate often and, and uh, I use different techniques. And I think the, the thing I had to get used to is like, if it wants to chat, let it chat. Yeah. You know, and, and just, just pay attention to the chatting. It gives you some distance and it, it'll eventually you'll get bored of it and probably stop. But in, in the, on the off chance you don't and it keeps like presenting you with a story that it's giving you, watch the story. Watch what it's telling you. Watch what your fantasies are telling you. Why did I have that fantasy? Is it resentment? What do I feel resentment about? Why do I feel resentment about it? And I think that's really a, a useful tool that you brought up is, is that kind of like, I'm going to sit and actually listen to my mind, be my mind in the background of myself as, yes. oppo- as opposed to uh, really feeling fused as people in like, uh, you know, kind of like an act therapy literature would call it, being fused to the thoughts, being fused, and that's acceptance and commitment therapy, but being fused to these ideas as if they're your own uh, being. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a great point you bring up. Yeah, I mean, tra- so what? Track the narrative. Let's start yep. there. Yeah, start, then start tracking. Get a start, journal. Mm-hmm. Then start reframing. Uh, yep. the, the language that you find unhelpful again unhelpful yeah is bad. it useful is it not useful. useful does it benefit me does it not benefit me be selfish mm-hmm. in this one moment yeah it's and, and in that way you'll actually find you're being selfless at the same time exactly you're binary about it but you, this will this will directly impact your network and it'll directly feed back to you uh dividends no no question um so track it uh, you know, change up your language, start there. I think at that point, it'll start to become clear to you what you need to do for you at that point. And if it isn't, be autodidactic, be willing to learn about uh, how to, you know, from, from other sources, uh, you know, whether it's a podcast like this or whether it's something on YouTube or, or just, you know, yeah, whatever. Finding a coach, you know, finding a coach is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like uh, what a lot of people uh, need in the world is just essentially just talk therapy. I, th- I think there are a many, uh, you know, wonderful human beings. I just underestimate the power of talking because yeah. 
I, you know, you're, you're in your echo chamber. Your mind is like, you know, you, like you're saying, uh, sometimes like when you're meditating, depending on what type of meditation you're doing, uh, if, especially if you're going to vein of Marcus Aurelius, like you want to just like, uh, for me, the way I imagine it is that like, okay, a voice came up. And for me, I like to imagine just embracing that, that voice. Like mm-hmm. I like to go up to it, just give it a big old hug and, and go into it. And it may just be going off and just saying all these things. And I'm just like, ah, thanks for saying you, thank you for saying these things. Right. I don't want to tell it to go away because you, you know, in that one moment I have the time to do the work. Sure. So, but if you don't have the time to do the work, then, you know, we're talking about a whole different type of meditation. Sure. I mean, you're the executive of your mind at the end of the day. Um, you are conscious attention and awareness. You're the, ex- you call it executive functioning. You are that thing. And if enough of your quote unquote thoughts, we'll call them little soldiers are coming to the commander and saying, Hey man, this is what's going on. They're bogging the commander down. The commander says, "Ugh, I don't want to deal with it. You already dealt with it. I don't want to parse through that any more than you did. I'm going to go off your Intel, even though your Intel might be incorrect, or I'm going to give commands to you guys on how to deal with it. And, or, I'm not going to give you any commands, which is way worse. I'm not going to tell you guys how to feel about it, how to think about it, how to process it, but that's your role. Your role is to tell the automatic processing inside of your body uh, how, how you want it to do things, not in a, not in a, a self-critical way, in a collaborative way. Definitely. And, and I feel like uh, so some people may be listening to this and, and being like, you know what, they're, they're talking about it all wrong. And, and I, want to, I want to highlight something. I want to say that what we're talking about is the foundation. Like, I think the vision, for me, the vision is that my mind is solid. It's in cahoots with myself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's unified, it's in alignment. And when I'm in alignment, because I've done all that good work, because I have done all of the work that I need in order for me to move forward with like almost zero attachments to the outcomes, then, I can exist in pure awareness, in pure being, mm-hmm. where the, the, I'm not concerned with the narrative anymore. Right, right. More often than not, right? You can you can kind of switch that the the tendency to be um, really uh, enmeshed with the story versus like seeing it being written at in real time. You can you can practice that. And yeah. I think if you're, if you're listening to this and saying, uh, well, what practice are you suggesting? I'm literally suggesting doing what your brain does automatically. I think we're both suggesting this, but doing it with conscious intention. Go yeah. ahead and think. Go ahead and think, but reason through it. Yeah, if change you, out those words. Mm-hmm, change those words. And one great strategy, you can look this up, um, is... Um, you can you can do kind of a, a check-in you know to what degree do i believe in that to what degree do i believe that thought okay you can check you know check a box you know on, on a scale like i kind of agree i don't agree like whatever whatever you want to put on the scale and then you say how how reality based is this this to me this does this is this actually the way that my life has played out and you totally. can, again, check those boxes again. You keep playing through this. Um, you can you can look it up. It's uh, sometimes you'll find things like a thought record. That's a great way to do it. Yeah, um, a thought record's wonderful. You can and you can find very complicated or I want to say complicated, very layered uh, thought records. You can also find th- stuff that's kind of like a, a, a quick little spurt to the finish. And that's fine too. Um, it's whatever allows you to get that separation. That's what I think we're suggesting here. 
Totally. Yeah. Get that separation. And then, all right. Okay. So you, you, we've, we've laid it out right here. Um, perspective is the lens that you're viewing your story through. We want you to work on creating separation, uh, from, from the story, uh, start triaging every word, become more positive, you know, positive in is positive out in, in my book. All right. I want to go to another another layer, the layer that is fun for me because mm-hmm. we just taught you all these rules and now we're going to break them. All right, this is my favorite part because this is the most fun I get to have like in my own mind and that's rewrite your narrative. Rewrite it, rewrite it, rewrite it, rewrite it and, and exactly what I just said and like let me let me, let me tell you how, how I did it. Um, Man, I really wanted to use a personal reference, but oh man! Yeah, so I know, I'm gonna have I know. to talk around this one. It yeah, makes so it hard. Like, I know. I still got it. Okay, so let's say uh, a good example. Um, I'm going to use my past. I can't use. I'm not going to use a moniker or anything. I'm going to use my past as an example. In in high school, I was in wrestling, and there was this one match. I, I remember, uh, you know, basically. I go into the ring, you know, I go into the, the circle and, you know, I, we, we tap hands or whatever, shake hands and we go to town. I had, I thought I was doing really good. I was far, far along in this competition that I was just about to place. And I had my ass handed to me. I was like turned into a pretzel. It was awful. It was the worst. And that I took such a hit to my ego. My team did not let me live that down. Mm-hmm. And for a while, this story was in my head. It's, it's just like, you know, it was like, guy number two, you, you can't do this. You can't do that. You know, like you suck. Your teammates think you suck. Like you are never going to enter that ring again and win. And I was like, I was being crushed by my story yeah and so i was like you know what I, I got so fed up with the story that was in my mind that uh when i started essentially you know i built up my you know i figured out my perspective i built my foundation i triaged every single word i i opened up that old book and i you know i looked at that story and i rewrote it and that's in, in every writing i won mm-hmm. you know i i won that match and yeah. so, uh, so, I also how'd, think, how'd you go? How'd you go about rewriting it? I I just t- I literally just told myself what what happened, and the reason why is because the reason why like, this is this is a dual thing. I'm not recommending this for everyone because I think this can give into delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if it's not going to hurt anyone, who cares? And I also want to, before I jump into why and how I did it, I want to just go into this one simple exercise that I ran into yesterday. You and I spoke about, spoke on the phone yesterday about it. It's just like, you know, Hey, if you're listening right now, just do this real quick. Just close your eyes. Imagine a a wooden table right in front of you. You know, on that table, there's a plate and there's a lemon. And to the right of that lemon is a knife. You're going to pick up that knife and you cut that lemon in half. And then you're going to pick up, and then you're going to take one of those halves and cut it in half again. And then you're going to take one of those little lemon wedges and you're going to put it in your mouth. You're going to suck on it. 
that right there. Uh, so, some people may have experienced that their mouth started salivating. Mine did, and I knew where you were going. I mean, like you did it to me twice in two days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mine started salivating too. See, that's the power of the mind. Your mind already prepared your body for something that did not exist. Your your brain interpolated this information. It was like, oh, hold up, wait, there's something coming in, and we got to prepare the body, salivate, baby. We got to take in this nutrients, you know, whatever it is. That's the same way the story affects you. Rewrite mm-hmm. the story, affect the body and the mind now. Like the more positive things that you can filter through your body, the, the healthier your mind is, the healthier your body is, the healthier your cells are going to be, and the higher your frequency is going to be. So why will you walk or why would you hurt yourself with walking around in the world with these stories of your past because they're not you mm-hmm. like yeah i had a child i had a challenging childhood but i've stopped telling those stories mm-hmm. because what do they do they only tell my brain that that story can happen again right so, and you said oh. challenging and you know earlier i used the word hard i wanted to use the word challenging in, in that moment but yeah keep keep going you, your, your brain's telling you it can happen again yeah so you want to rewrite that story and so the way i rewrote it was I just sat there, you know, some people like to have a journal and literally rewrite it. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I just like to sit, I like to think, and I like to imagine the process of, of winning that match. What did I do? What move did I use next? How, how did it feel when the ref lifted my hand up? I, I, like I took all those feelings in and I made them a part of me. They're, They're mine. Like those feelings are real. They're not, they're not imaginary they're real. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens with like, if you're imagining the future, Mm -hmm. like when you play out negative, uh, negative scenarios, those, those are just, uh, what do they call the negative prayers? You know, Mm -hmm. when you worry, you're just negatively praying that that shit's going to happen. Like, all right, you know, we could be realistic. We could be realistic. We could, you know, go through the scenarios, you know, I might get hurt on doing whatever I'm doing but I'm not going to let it dictate my choices. I'm only going to become cognizant of what that story could be and how I can overcome it. And what, I, what I'm hearing when I'm extrapolating from this is when it comes to rewriting the past, the most important thing to rewrite your past, whether it's a traumatic experience or, or just an un, unfavorable experience in some way is uh, to, to give it perspective. And it kind of goes back to the beginning of our podcast talking about having that perspective of me now versus me as a kid, you know, yeah. living out the present moment in the present moment. When you were, when you were wrestling, you were so like, I'm going to win. I'm kicking ass, man. This is going to be fine. And then you were let down also in the present moment when that didn't occur in that present moment where it didn't occur. And you, you felt kind of that hit to your ego. And then later on, looking back upon that, you said, yeah, but I also learned not to get X, Y, and Z. I maybe, maybe you learned, um, not to be overconfident. Maybe you learned you, you should always be overprepared as opposed to underprepared. Maybe, uh, you learned, you know, don't underestimate your opponent, whatever you learned, you learned it not necessarily in that moment, but in processing it later on and gain and using the new vantage point from which you stand as, as a perspective. So if you're a mountain now and you were in the Valley, then you're looking back at the Valley and going like, that's how that should have, that's, that's how that went down. That's how, that's what I learned from that. Right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and just to further this conversation, um, I mean, the the mind is, the mind is a beautiful thing. Um, uh, 
I, I'm just going to come out and say it. it. Let's say, you know, you're, you're depressed. You have a lot harder time rewriting that narrative because the narrative just has you in a, in a grip, you know, a vice grip. It's not, it's not fun. It's hard. Um, and I'm not saying I'm recommending people to do drugs, but I am saying that there are, there are drugs out there that can help uh, rewrite that narrative. I want to specifically talk about when it comes to rewriting narratives, if you can get someone, a therapist uh, who, who can work with you on this one, you know, working with uh, MDMA, especially with uh, PTSD, because that's like a crazy story that's being told over and over and over where your nervous system is also being triggered. See, uh, this is my perspective. I'm speaking mainly just from my perspective. Um, I'm not a doctor or any of that jazz. Uh, this is just my own uh, personal uh, vantage point. Your experience. Yeah. My experience. Uh, when you, If you are having a hard time and you have the ability to get in front of a therapist and, and take it in a controlled setting and you utilize it as medicine, it, MDMA can... Just like that little, like when you write with a pen, imagine a little quill, you're going to dip that, that quill in ink. But instead, when you take that MDMA, you're, that, that ink is love. It's all love. You're going to rewrite that memory in love. And I think that is, which, a, may, which may be ready, active, uh, whiteout. We're not sure, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most beautiful whiteout there has ever been made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if you have that ability in, in, you know, whatever country you're in to see a therapist and have this in a controlled setting, like by all means, uh, explore your options in, sure. in, in uh, getting a new perspective um, on this. And I also want to say the same thing with, it goes with psychedelics, like controlled setting, use it as medicine, respect it, do not abuse this mm-hmm. um, because you have the ability to, for a moment, hijack the mind, rewrite the narrative and allow the brain to go back to, you know, baseline. All right. You just did something. You did a magic move. You did, you did something that the universe gifted to you to do. And it was strategic. It was tactical. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I know that's like a bit of a far off tangent, but I just no, wanted yeah. to I say mean, it. There's a lot of research coming out about things like uh, psilocybin, and that's that's the the active uh, active psychoactive uh, property of of magic mushrooms. And there are there is research showing that you know there's great research for cigarette uh, use reduction, but they're also showing it for PTSD, OCD, depression, things of that nature. And um, neither of us are talking as experts right now. We're talking as uninformed citizens, um, but it's worth reading on. If you if you do want to take kind of a journey down uh, into uh, the wonderland of your mind, it's 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 definitely worth thinking about. If uh, if you find that you're you're experiencing kind of this blockage when you do try and go back, because the emotions are so intense that it actually makes it difficult for you to engage and and, and take perspective. It's just it just is that glaring. Um, you know, it's, it's worth, it's worth exploring. It's worth thinking about, um, whether or not it's for everybody. That's the question. Um, uh, because we all react differently to, to, to certain chemical properties. 
it may be as simple as uh, also doing other mood enhancing things that will make you more likely to, to be amenable and therefore susceptible to engaging with things that make you uncomfortable. Like for me, I've been getting a lot of sun lately. I've been in a good mood. I can tell yeah. you that much. Like it has been medicine. I'm like, have I been missing this this whole time? Like right. just sun? And then like, you know, I was talking to a buddy yesterday and he was talking about going through a hard time. We're in Corona, Corona land. It's been a really weird time for people. And he was getting really stressed. And he said, man, you know, I, I, exercise is, is the medicine. So whatever you need to utilize to get you in more of a, uh, a, a plastic, more uh, morphable place so that you can meet, meet your ends of, of reprocessing, reprocessing the story you have going on, explore that for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I like how you brought that up, you know, like about getting the sun, uh, you know, on top of getting sun and top of working out, be, uh, here's another tactic, another recipe that I utilize. What kind of light is coming through my eyes? Right. I actually uh, have a pair of uh, red tinted sunnies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really great, uh, especially for eye health. Super superb. You know, it's great for the mind. Another another pair, uh, another tint, yellow. The more warmth that you can get in your eyes is instrumental. I can't stress that enough. Like if you're having like oh wearing yellow sunnies in a cloudy like if you're to live in seattle or like portland oregon or something like that and it's cloudy all the time man invest in some yellow sunnies your mood is going to be so uplifted i love it i love it when it gets cloudy like because yeah. i wear my yellow sunnies everyone else is dreary and sad and i'm over mm-hmm. here just warm as fuck like right and and since we're, we're we're falling off the narrative of narrative and going into our personal health tips a little yeah bit, right you know let's you know the, the one last thing i want to throw out there is that uh, be be conscientious of of the stories you hear the movies you watch the the books you read they do you are going for a ride and you are attuning to uh, the main character and their experience. And, and part of, of what's nice about that is if you know you're watching something positive, you might have a positive end result with your own personal mood. But just remember, there's a difference between the narrative you're living out and the narrative that you'd like to be living out. Definitely. Yeah, I dig that. And uh, I feel like we're getting pretty close to, to the end on this conversation. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to touch on, on one more thing. We touched on mm-hmm. it very briefly. And that's, you know, the conversation of uh, like essentially future projecting um, I, I want to leave, I want to leave y'all with one more tool that I utilize. And I think this is a super powerful tool because it influences my narrative, uh, sometimes on a daily and, or typically it's weekly. I, I tune in with my future version of myself. Mm-hmm. I, I ask this question, what did 80 year old guy number two did? Like, what did he do in this one moment? And I listen, I hear it out because I'm trying to align myself with the best and brightest future that I can possibly drum up because are you, are you trying to talk with your idealized self, your ideal future self? What would he have done? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Because uh, essentially what uh, for me, what this is all accumulating to is like, you got the perspective, you worked on your foundation, you changed your narrative. All right. Now let's work on the outer world. Let's work. Mm-hmm on influencing the outer peripheral world around you. Let's take control of that too. Let's, let's start working on, you know, increasing the frequency, the positive vibrations around you so that whatever narrative you start telling yourself that is going to happen, you start recognizing the patterns to make it happen. Mm -hmm. 
So that like that's like a, that's a next level trait. Like it's it's often disregarded as manifestation, and manifestation kind of got a little hijacked, I think, in that it was uh, we're we're gonna make something appear that 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 like wasn't there, like some sort of miniature god complex. Yeah. And manifestation, by definition, is is becoming it's actually becoming aware of that which was already available. So uh, it's been made it's been made manifest. It's been made uh, consciously observable by you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I feel like, uh, you know, that we, we could probably turn this into a whole workshop. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I'm sure people have. And like, um, at the end of the day, the only person initially that's going to be beneficial to you, I hope is you. Yeah. Um, and and if, if that's if that's a struggle, there's no shame and there's nothing wrong. Uh, it's actually quite beneficial to go and get uh, you know, like you said earlier, coach, a therapist, some sort of person who's guiding you, um, o- along that journey. Yeah. Who has no affiliation with the outcome of uh, what you do. Mm-mm. Nope. And I think that's a, that's a good, uh, a good note to end on really. Yeah. So is there anything, uh, kind of one you want to leave the audience with, you know, I feel like I've encapsulated this a few different times. What, uh, t- tell, tell the listeners what's good. What's good. <sighs> You guys are, uh, as much as, as guy number two and I, we're, we're your storytellers. Uh, we've been running a story this whole time. It's a meta story because it's a, it's a communicative, uh, collaborative process, but you've got, you've got a meta story going on inside of you. You've got different parts of yourself, uh, trying to engage with one another, listen to them, uh, hear them out, see where they're coming from, see where they align and see where they don't. Um, what you do with that from there is, is up to you. Right on. Yeah, I dig it. And uh, for me, uh, to the listeners, be gentle on yourself. That's it. Look in the mirror and love the fuck out of who you are. <laughs> That's the goal, right? How's yeah. So, you know, I appreciate everyone listening. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, please uh, share share this podcast with someone who, who you think may just be able to benefit from this. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. All right. I'll, I'll chat with y'all later. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. All righty, folks. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of Just Two Guys Talking. We really hope that the information that was provided before you is useful and yet and that you utilize it right away. As usual, we ask that if you like this podcast, please share it with someone that you love and you think that would benefit from hearing what we just spoke about today. So until next time, we'll see you later.